One of the greatest things in radio for those who wish to aspire to some kind of ego is when you're getting ready to come on. Great music. This is Pete's music. I'm Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender today. Pete out dealing with government bureaucracy. It's always a joy and a pleasure. So I know I'm having a lot more fun than he is. So you guys are familiar with the show. I, I'm sitting in for Pete. Good friend, great guy, and he'll be back. But uh, today, he is fighting the bureaucracy. It's always an uphill battle when you do that. But back to what I was saying, which is, man, when you're coming on here and they say, you're hot. They're referring to the mics being hot. But it's just, hey, you're hot. So yeah, all these guys face made for radio, and we, we get that little ego boost right before we go on the air. For those of you paying attention, or in Charlotte, it might be the left-leaning crowd that may not be aware of what's going on. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a <laughs> a dog excrement show outside, isn't it? You, you go to the gas pump, you're seeing gas. I found it cheapest I could find it in the eastern part of the state was three ninety five yesterday. And it, it's risen like an obscene amount, you know, forty some cents, seventy five cents since the invasion of Ukraine. The Biden administration shifting blame. We'll talk about that. Four oh nine at other cheap stations. Four plus four twenty four. And so in in the Charlotte Mecklenburg area, if you're listening, you're driving around looking at that, and you have to think. How did we get here so quickly? Or you look around, and, and today, by the way, two-year anniversary, two-year anniversary of Governor Cooper's emergency order, executive uh, privileges, two years, the COVID emergency. No word on when he's going to end that. Also, the day after the veto of the Free the Smiles Act, we will talk a little bit about that today. It's primary season shortly, in about a month. It's all closed up. Uh, after all the Democrats gnashing of teeth and suing and everything, fewer candidates than they fielded years ago, the last election cycle, they, they wanted fairer maps, but they fielded, they said, well, we need fairer maps because we can't recruit candidates. <laughs> we got to recruit. So they recruited two ex-criminals in Charlotte, and the rest of the state, they left dozens of seats open. I don't know that we'll spend much time on. Obviously, the uh, we have a story about uh, Russian blackmail. It's kind of interesting what the Russians have learned you know, in, in, in classic Bond fashion. And because we have such a weak administration, they're threatening the Europeans with things. I was looking at the Dow Jones today, by the way. It's just kind of a little bit of a bloodletting. Just before we went on the air, down almost 400 points at 379. For a lot of you, you don't care. But the inflationary erosion on your net worth is taking place. You see it when you go to the grocery store. You see it when you try to buy clothes, when you fill up your car with gas. You see this. The prices are increasing, but you're not getting raises relative to that. Straight up economics, the power of your – if you still took $100 out of the bank and stuck it in a mattress last year, that $100 is worth substantively less than it was when you stuck it under there. If you're not keeping up with inflation, you're losing money. And so the vast majority of Americans are losing purchasing power. They're losing earning power because their wages are not going up relative to inflation. It's a mess out there. You want to get in on the conversation, and I hope you do. You should, at, at least, if, if you're not enraged, which is, which is good. Rage is often not productive. You, you just lose all context and you just swing at the closest, the closest political problem. But focused, focused anger turning into elector, election results, candidate, forcing candidates and folks to, folks to confront problems, that's, that's useful. You want to get on the conversation, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Callers, always welcome. They will always take precedence over what the host is saying, because after all, you guys make talk radio what it is. I am your ever-energetic host, Chad Adams. Glad to be here. And George taking care of things at home here at News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Lots to discuss. And, and George is going to keep me straight. So if you do call in, George will say, Chad, <sighs> you got to get these people in. To which I will say, George, make it happen. Again, 
News Talk 1110-993-7045. The phone number, 704-570-1110. So where to kick things off today? I was just reading through a, a little bit about, you know, what's going on. And by the way, you know, and <laughs> it sounded out of breath. Huh? Chad just ran a 5K while he was doing radio. Did you know that? <sighs> so looking at a lot of this stuff, I just want to remind you, March 10th, 2020, Declaration of State of Emergency to Coordinate Response and Protective Actions to Prevent the Spread of COVID-19. What this did, this was a broad, broad emergency action by the governor of the state of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, who has took massive control, control and more. I mean, it's a great deal of power that under those emergency powers. Now, several folks at the Council of State, your treasurer, your auditor, things like that, not the auditor necessarily, Beth, Sometimes goes either way. So looking at that with uh, Dale Falwell and, and others, Mike Causey and these others, insurance commissioners, these other folks, said they tried to dial this back. Mark Robinson, lieutenant governor, trying to dial back those emergency powers. It didn't go anywhere. The legislature has been largely deaf mute. I mean, Tim, more recently, I guess, saw some poll numbers that suggested a speaker of the House. Let's do something about the mask in schools. So they passed this Free the Smiles Act. Now, we will discuss some of that and why I thought it was a, a kind of a day late, a dollar short, and kind of missed the mark by a long shot. It did galvanize some folks to say the legislature finally did something, but it ended up accomplishing nothing. And, I, and, I, and I'll get into that because there are policy reasons why I believe that was a bad idea, just as I thought HB2 was a terrible idea. When Republicans go around screaming that we believe in limited government, we believe that the more power that's vested locally is better. We don't like federal, giant federal. Imagine if all states had taken away or at least done what they should have done, take away all this power from the federal government. We wouldn't have kind of the nightmare situation we have with the war on poverty that didn't reduce poverty. That's cost us trillions and trillions of dollars and run up our national debt. We wouldn't because we federalized all these things that should never have been federalized. Saying we never needed a federal department of education. We didn't. We just didn't. It'd be neat to have guidelines, maybe a group nationally that wanted to suggest things to the states, but it never should have been loosened upon. Even the EPA, a lot of what the EPA does could have been done at the state level. Could be done now at the state level. So these are the kind of things, if you believe in a limited government, when the legislature goes and passes some massive new program, like when they did HB2, Charlotte was really the problem. Charlotte and Mecklenburg was ground zero of where the transgender issue took place, and they said, you know, guys could go in women's locker rooms if they identified with being female. They could go in the Y and shower with the ladies. They could go in the bathrooms. This was a problem. A lot of people were upset. But the legislature, the legislature should have, well, we'll talk about what they should have done and were advised to do and how we got ourselves in the situation we're in now. <laughs> Good day. Glad to have you with us here on the Pete Callender Show. Your guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in for Mr. Callender, who is fighting. You know, I, some of the stuff he's doing today, you know, you you would rather give birth to a flaming porcupine than do. And that mainly being that he's going to go out there and you know fight the bureaucracies and stuff. So a couple of them, at least two, maybe more. You know, new house, new things, new residency. You got to change your address. Let the government know where you are so they can track you down and make your car not work. If you have an electric car, they can stop it. Maybe you want to get an electric car. I mean, our energy secretary, Granholm, said, hey, if you have an electric car, you're not affected by all this, by the gas prices. <laughs> you're not affected by it. 
Unless you run out. Unless you run out and you can't recharge in the middle of the road. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. If you want to get in on the conversation, give us a call. 704-570-1110. So, love to have you on there. George, who's keeping it straight over there in the studio, keeping me aligned and making sure I sound all right, will be there to take care of your calls. Now, the, the Smiles Act allows, it would give parents the choice. Now, You heard me kind of critical of that. Why would Chad, why would a conservative talk show host be critical of this? And I reflected back on HB2. HB2, Charlotte had done a dumb thing, which is they they entered the transgender wars by saying that men could go into women's bathrooms. Why? It It was an ugly situation that escalated. Now, it was a Charlotte problem that would have become problematic for Charlotte moving forward. The issue became when the conservative right, and, and what I mean by that is several grassroots groups, and I, I'm not going to be mean to them. There were, there were two different schools of thought when this all went down. And one was, let Charlotte deal with this horrible situation, because businesses will have problems with Charlotte. Uh, the Y will have problems. There could be lawsuits. It be a number of things that would reflect back on the Charlotte City Council for doing this. But instead, a lot of small government Republican types, alleged conservatives, went and stormed Raleigh and said, you must stop this. So all of a sudden, the the reaction, the oddly, because Republicans aren't as knee-jerk reactionary as the left usually is, but but in this instance, they were. They saw a problem and said, oh, we're going to attack it. We're going to pass a state law stopping this everywhere. And HB2 became, it, it, it was like, it's if you're a fisher, if you like to fish, when you bait a hook and you throw it in the water and you wait for that that if it's freshwater, it's this largemouth bass. Just come up and grab that hook. Eight-pound bass. Just grab it. The legislature grabbed that hook like an eight-pound bass. And they couldn't shake the hook loose. Once they committed the act of HB2 outlawing this stuff statewide, it became the battle cry for the left. And it led to the evisceration of Governor McCrory, who lost. There were a number of issues, but that was a, a big one. And it led to the evisceration of several Republicans at laws. It was a way for Democrats to make massive amounts of money in, in prep, ready for an election, heading into the election. And they did. And it cost McCrory his seat. It cost several Republicans their seats. Uh, it was just, just bizarre. But again, it's when Republicans want to act like Democrats that these things happen. Now, let's roll forward. We get into a pandemic. There's an emergency act. These these broad sweeping executive powers the governor assumes. Great big government. Roy Cooper, he's saving the republic. He's not. He hasn't really done much as governor. He's been to a lot of ribbon cuttings and thanked a lot of companies for coming here in our new low-tax environment largely brought forth by the legislature who did lower taxes in the regulatory environment that's made things better. Roy Cooper didn't sign any budget until last year. So the first five years he was in office, no budget. He finally does sign a budget under duress. But he's been largely irrelevant to the financial fortunes of the state. Now, history will record whether he made a difference in COVID or not. Did COVID run through the public and burn itself out? Or did the actions that Governor Cooper put in place with mandatory face coverings and all this other gobbledygook that he put forth, restricting freedom of movement in the economy, that he actually damaged the economy with, did it make a difference? Did it, did it limit deaths? Are we going to find out over time that what North Carolina did was better than, say, Florida, or was it more closely aligned with New York? Extremely aggressive policies, not freedom-oriented. So time will tell. I think time's going to show that it really didn't make a difference, not much of a difference. But let's roll forward to the legislature, free the Smiles Act, put into place that basically says that schools can do this or the governor can do it, but parents have the choice to take the mask off in the future. 
The problem is, once again, it's a big government solution to a local government problem. I wish the legislature, and I think they should have been, you know, they should be right now. There's a couple things the legislature I wish were doing. I wish they were having grassroots, massive rallies where they stand up there in front of a microphone, in front of the, front of the lights, and say, Mr. Governor Cooper, tear down this emergency. Tear it down. Just very Reagan-esque. Tear down this wall. Stop the insanity. It's two years COVID is in retreat, and people say, oh, it's no time to let up. Well, he doesn't need those broad sweeping powers. He really doesn't. Local governments can deal with this, depending on where it pops up. People can deal with this. Local businesses have choices. It's their business. Get out of our business, Governor Cooper. That's where the legis- where I wish Republicans' battle cry would be. Another great idea. Another great idea. And I, I wish I could take credit for it. Someone else did. But I think it's a brilliant idea. Why don't we? Why, do, why don't Republicans register voters near gas pumps. <laughs> they, they get tens of thousands of new voters. Just go to the gas pump. There's no way that the Biden administration is going to be able to spin away from this. Roy Cooper's oddly silent on energy prices. I suspect that Josh Stein and Roy Cooper will team up to talk about price gouging at some point. Kind of head, head in the sand. Head in the sand kind of mentality about some of this. But that's just the way they kind of roll. No price gouging. All these people are raising prices. But again, a lot more to discuss on the show today. Just before we go to break here, uh, I was just checking the Dow out before we went to break. It's just another kind of bloodletting. It's down 293, so it's recovered about 100 points. So a lot of people taking profits and selling stuff off. Special shout out to George, Mark, Boomer, all the folks at WBT. Appreciate the opportunity. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Out fighting the bureaucracy with, you know, I don't know, kind of one eye. <laughs> it's like you have to have monovision to, to deal with bureaucracy sometimes. Now, you want to get on the conversation, 704-570-1110, 570-1110. Love for you to be a part of the show today. Always an honor to be here. The, the energy and the, the amazing uh, staff and, and the ability to be on the best station in North Carolina just about. Now, let's talk. No, they are. They really are. I was I was picking. So, Propelled by surging costs for gas, food, and housing, consumer inflation jumped 7.9% over the past year. This is from AP News. So I'm not just citing some, you know, people say, oh, you'll cite right-wing stuff. You'll cite Fox News. No, this is, this is AP story. The sharpest spike since 1982, which was on the heels of recovering from Carter, by the way, before tax cuts went into effect and things turned around, and likely only a harbinger of even higher prices to come. Now, mind you, this massive spike in inflation does not include What's happened over the past two weeks with, with fuel prices? So it's worse than that. This is, this is the erosion, and this is completely, completely, most of this was avoidable. And, and they can blame Ukraine. They can blame a lot of other things. I mean, John Kerry's kind of moonbat, crazy, delusional uh, perspective. If you think the refugees from Ukraine are bad, wh- wait till you see the 100 million climate refugees. Now, what Kerry's not paying attention to, and I know I'm, you know, have the attention span of a gnat here, is that the IPCC, even the governor's intergovernmental panel on climate change, has walked back a lot of their stuff. We've had colder winters. You can look at Big Joe Bastardi, Weatherbill Analytics founder, co-founder, uh, showing that the past 30 years of winters have not been warmer. You can see that it's they've, they're walking back their predictions, even as John Kerry's pressing. So as Obama it builds a, another beachfront home in Hawaii to go with the one in Martha's Vineyard or Pelosi buys one in Florida, John Kerry's out screaming that the end of the world is near. 
If you think Ukraine's bad, where do you see climate change, baby? It's going to be bad. We got to get gas up to eight, nine, ten dollars a gallon. He doesn't realize that the words he's saying directly impact, you know, kind of the truth that the climate change crowd, the environmentalist zealots, the religion wants your gas at eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen dollars a gallon. They want it there. And I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not over exaggerating. This was by design. If you looked at the executive actions of the president when he came into office in 2021, January 2021, they they cut back on the leases, they killed Keystone, and people say, but the the, the oil from Keystone is still coming across the border. Yes, trucks and rail. Now, the fascinating thing about trucks and rail is that it's a lot dirtier to transport it that way, a lot less safe than a pipeline. Pipeline's nice, clean, efficient, moves all that to America. But no, trains are dirtier, trucks are dirtier. So the environmental zealots are either really dumb and myopic, realize they had the, 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 the wool pulled over their eyes, or we're not moving as much product as we were. We are moving it in a dirtier way. Either way, we were energy independent prior to him coming to office. We're not now. And all that meant was we produced enough that if we had to, if the world dramatically changed, we could supply our own energy needs. We can't do that now. And we became reliant on Russia. So meanwhile, the inept foreign policy that is the Biden-Harris administration, myopic view of the world, this strange, they can't secure the southern border. They can't even find it. These guys can't even get down to our southern border, which is still not secure. They sent her to Guatemala. It's like she took a left turn at Albuquerque and ended up in the middle of nowhere. Don't come. Don't come, they said. We're going to give you lots of benefits if you make it across the border, but don't come. We're going to make it easier for you to stay, but don't come. It was this really bizarre way of, of, of having some kind of diplomacy that wasn't diplomacy. Now she's in Poland, and they're saying some crazy stuff, too. We want, now here's the truth, I want our president to be successful, especially on the foreign stage. But he's so inept at foreign policy, even the Saudis don't even answer his phone calls. We're so, we, it, rather than, and I'll get, I'll get to the energy thing, because it is important. People say, well, there were, there's 9,000 leases, Jen Psaki said. You know, there's, there's plenty of space. But he, she doesn't realize that production of oil is a planning thing. You have to plan and do this. But let's go back to the story we're talking about, because we'll get to there. Even before the war, for, even before the war, further accelerated price increases, robust consumer spending, solid pay raises, and persistent supply shortages had sent U.S. inflation to its highest level. What's more, housing costs, which make up about a third of the government's consumer price index, have risen sharply, a trend that's unlikely to reverse. The numbers are eye-watering, and there's more to come, said Eric Winograd, senior economist at the asset management firm Alliance Bernstein. The peak in inflation will be much higher than previously thought and will arrive later than previously expected. The government's report Thursday, today, showed that from January to February, inflation rose almost a percentage point, up from 0.6 from December to January, excluding the volatile food and energy categories. So-called core prices rose a sharp half percent month to month, 6.4% from a year earlier. This is bad. Nothing about this is good. For most Americans, inflation is running far ahead of the pay raises that many have received in the past year. So, your purchasing power is lower. Do you feel better yet? You feel better about that build back better? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that the vision that was sold to America? So now we got a president hunting oil in Venezuela. Won't hunt in Texas, by the way. Won't hunt in Alaska. Won't hunt, you know, in the, all across America. But no, goes to the Saudis and goes to Venezuela, you know, especially Venezuela, which we don't even diplomatically recognize, but we're begging. We're begging. Oh my. It's just insane. It's just, it's just, yeah, I, 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 you know, words fail. <laughs> That's what it is. Words fail. 
But let's get to the energy. Now, what we're going to do in a few minutes, we'll be taking a break. I do want to get to the thing about energy. Uh, because all of this, the Biden administration has, has said a, a number of things. They said, well, they were calling it the hashtag. Well, I don't even want to get it wrong, but the hashtag Russian fuel increase. They're blaming it on the Russians. They're trying, you know, was, inflation wasn't really a thing. It was it was it was transient. It wasn't going to be around. And then they, they, they've tried to look at every everything that is the opposite of what a leader would do. A true leader accepts responsibility. Hey. The buck stops here, Truman said. You have problems in your administration, but this administration is so concerned with spin that it's never their fault. Nothing stops with them. It's to blame the Republicans. It's to blame the Trump supporters. It's to blame the Russians. It's to blame everybody but them supply chain. So Pete Buttigieg goes on maternity leave, and the supply chain is absolutely a problem. He comes back, and he does. He, it's not even. He doesn't even accept any responsibility. Granol. Our energy secretary, just go buy an electric car. Just go buy an electric car. Don't worry about it. If you had an electric car, this won't affect you as much. We have serious issues that are brought about by bad policy decisions. Even the Ukrainians, even the Ukrainian situation. You have to wonder, we knew it was coming. We knew there was buildup. Why didn't you enact why didn't you enact sanctions prior to all this? Why didn't you enact, say, punish them now before they cross into the or arm the Ukrainians to the teeth and enact sanctions. Very preventative, not provoking. Now you've got all these neocons and neolibs and others that are kind of wanting to push us into a global conflict. Not good. Not good for anyone. Terrifyingly so. Absolutely terrifying. We can't afford it. I will get to the, the way this energy thing really lays at the feet of the, uh, the Biden administration. We absolutely will. The, every every single part of this is preventable. The southern border was preventable. A lot of its inflation was. They own it. A lot of the fuel prices, they own it. A lot of these problems, you know, coming out of COVID, it should be a boom time. Unemployment should have gone down because we lost a lot of jobs through COVID. They should be coming back, but they're not coming back as fast. Mm. <sighs> we need to take a break. Chad Adams. Yes. The ever energetic. Chad, I'm sitting in for a peak counter. Glad to be here. Always a pleasure. WBT, fantastic station. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You want to get into the conversation? It's 704-570-1110-570-1110. You move to the front of the line, no matter what the host is talking about. That time, just of note, the House yesterday, the U.S. Congress passed a resolution or a, a $1.5 trillion federal spending bill, 2,700 pages in length, and the public could see it for less than 22 hours. It's the famous, you know, you have to pass it to find out what's in it kind of thing. There is there is no cohesion, and I put it on Republicans and Democrats alike. There's just no cohesive thought that the, 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 the spending is irrelevant to them. It, it, deficit spending, debts, none of it is relevant to the current political leading class. It's just not. The only difference is Republicans tend to slow, the, as the train is heading off the cliff somewhere in the future, we don't know when it is. Well, a lot of folks thought probably in the 90s and early 2000s that we would have been at the end of the tracks by now. But in the U.S., we're both building the tracks, running the train, and the cliff is out there somewhere. We don't know where it is and when the tracks end. Republicans, when they're in control, tend to run the train a little slower toward the cliff, and Democrats are full steam ahead with the spending. We'll just spend until we run right off the cliff and 
And because it won't be us. It'll be the next people in charge that'll have to clean it up. The Democrats get to walk away and say, we didn't cause this. Who caused this? We didn't wreck the train. But back to the energy policy. Because the, the energy issue, you know, as we as we go, it's I don't know many this is funny. So I had not seen this, truthfully. And it's not that I feel like I'm out of touch. I just I usually fill up at one or two stations. That's it. I don't I don't just pull over and go, oh, I need to fill up here. I'm I'm a I'm a chronic, you know, gas pump guy. My father, bless his soul, passed away last year. He was always looking if gas was five cents cheaper two miles up the road, that's where he was gonna go. And he would brag about it. He was really proud of hypermiling a car. You know, being able to get 50 to 60 miles per gallon out of his little sled that he called, it was a Civic VTEC. He was proud of that car. Till he died, kept it till he died. Could have had any car in the world he wanted. Nope, kept that one. The eccentricity of my father, who was a, a conservative from the word go, in, in, not just in, you know, his, his fiscal policy outlook, but his home living. You know, just chronically saving, saving, saving so that he could retire early. In fact, he retired at <laughs> the age I am now. So I guess it worked. Anyway, so... I'm reading, you know, as you're looking and you're going to fill up your gas, how many of you have seen that I did this? Little stickers, little tiny stickers stuck on gas pumps. I did this and it's like him pointing at the gas price, little stickers. I know you have. I've seen them. They're they're prolific. And so gas station attendees or people who are, they're having to pull these things off all the time. So many people have them now and are sticking them on gas pumps. So I filled up yesterday in a truck. Love my truck. And, you know, you, you look at it and you curse the pump and you're like, oh, my gosh. This is real. And the energy secretary's answer is, I'll just get a hybrid. No, not a hybrid. Fully electric car. But let's go to where this all comes from. It's impossible. This is from the New York Post. A great, And I think one of, it's, it's rare that you get a really succinct written thing. A lot of opinion columns, they have to be 600 words, 300 words for something short, but 600 words. And it's trying to you know drag out to hit, hit the, the number of inches you need in a column. But online, you can do something different. You can really express something. Twitter forces you to do it in a few characters. But a great column over at the New York Post, it's impossible to exaggerate President Joe Biden's fecklessness on energy policy. Incredibly, it's only grown worse in the wake of the Ukraine war. On Tuesday, Biden rushed to declare a U.S. embargo on buying Russian oil. Why did it take him that long? Clearly not out of any considered policy decision, but simply because Democrats in Congress joined Republicans in pushing the idea. In other words, Republicans have been saying it for a while, and Democrats are like, oh, well, we'll go along with that. The move has risks, such as pushing an increasingly erratic Putin to stop all Russia's energy sales to the West, which would send global prices up even higher. In fact, the Russians did just that. They, they just threatened and said, if you cut off our oil, we're going to cut off all energy supplies to Europe. They, they express that's energy blackmail because the Europeans, rather than figure out a way to solve their own issues, are completely reliant on the Russians for their energy needs. They've gutted their nuclear plants. They, they're very reliant. They don't have the wind and solar to keep things going. They just don't. The move has risk, as we said. Worse, the Bidenites are now looking to replace Russian oil with Venezuelan oil, no matter that that nation's dictatorship is as evil as Putin's. And they're rushing to a new Iran deal. John Kerry loves the Iranians. The Iranian government, we all love the people, but the Iranian government, John Kerry's just vacant on, empowering that regime in hopes of getting Tehran's oil back in the global market. Meanwhile, the White House is pretending that Putin's war is the only cause of the crisis, ignoring the fact that energy prices started soaring as soon as he took office and declared war on U.S. fossil fuel industry, shutting down pipelines, denying new drilling permits, and promising a renewed regulatory and tax attack on anyone who dares to drill. Team Biden and Democrats like New York Governor Kathy Hochul are also frowning on suggestions to suspend taxes on gasoline, home heating oil, 
though federal, state, and local taxes account for about 22% of pump prices before the war. In other words, a nationwide suspension of gas taxes would do a whole lot more for hard-hit consumers instantly than Biden's farcical release of oil from the strategic reserves. Even with the other nations joining in, that's less than two days of supply. Democrats inevitably say that unleashing U.S. drillers won't have an immediate impact. That's only partly true, since markets respond last to a a changing outlook. In other words, the markets, if you give them the opportunity to to go drill and and they start putting resources, markets react to what's coming down the pipe, literally down the pipe. In other words, if they would stop with this insane regulatory environment, insane cutting, then the markets would go, oh, there's going to be a lot more coming. Oil prices would come down because they know that that's coming. Many companies, many companies know what they're like to move next and would like to move rapidly if they believe the target was off their back. More importantly, it would definitely boost U.S. supply and export to our allies within months, while this energy shock could well be long-lasting. It doesn't matter where the fossil fuels we burn come from when it comes to climate change. And the simple fact is that wind and solar, they are not growing fast enough to meet rising global demand. For that matter, the U.S. fossil fuel industry is a lot cleaner than Russia's. It's a lot cleaner than Venezuela's or Iran's. And while more nuclear plants would help, They take years to build, and the environmentalists haven't really been friendly on that either. So it's madness to empower our enemies, civilization's enemies, by refusing to exploit our own resources out of some dim idea that it's bringing the world closer to a carbon-free future. And it's beyond vile for Biden to pretend that it's all Putin's fault, hoping that American people are too dim to notice their own costs started soaring long before this. How far do the president's polls have to sink before the White House wakes up? Stop pretending it can spin its way out of disaster. Very short, succinct, tightly said. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I I just, you know, when you read this kind of stuff. Now, think, and here's where I want to put this in perspective, because we're going to take a break here in a second. Think about what they were told about the paperless future. Remember, we were going to have a paperless future by 2010, 2015, 2020. Are we there yet? We're not. Why do you think we're going to be out of this fossil fuel thing? We're not. Much more to go. Second hour, getting ready to be underway. Do stay tuned here at the Pete Callender Show. I am your guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in. And look, get those calls in. We want to move you to the front of the line. We'll be back right after this, top of the hour. 